And when a psychedelic experience becomes extremely mystical and spiritual and deep, I believe it's as profound as birth and death. It can literally become that profound. My life used to feel like I was stuck on autopilot, trapped in the same thought loops, worries, and fears. Then something major happened. Enter psychedelics. My name is Kat Walsh, and you're listening to Trip On This. Join me as we journey together into these mysterious realms, discussing everything from personal transformation, otherworldly experiences, and practical at-home tips. Welcome, fellow traveler, to the land of limitless possibilities. Welcome back, my friends. This next episode is all about macrodosing psilocybin mushrooms. Now, what is a macrodose? Typically, a macrodose could be considered anything 3.5 grams and above. But for my guest, Edward Crow, macrodoses for him are anywhere between 10 grams and above. During this episode, we talk about his why, what his process is, how he's able to handle these really large macrodose psilocybin journeys, both physically, mentally, emotionally, and also what he feels the value is from doing these super deep experiences. Now, if you are relatively new to your psilocybin journey, please exercise some caution though around your own journeys. It's easy to hear about people going into these extremely high psilocybin journeys and are able to come out of it with amazing takeaways, but truly journeys like this are a lot. (laughs) My highest has been 9.25 grams and it started awesome and it ended up being quite scary for me because I didn't quite know, have the tools to navigate such a otherworldly experience. And so just note that when you go through this episode, when Edward takes us through to also just exercise a little caution in your own life and not uh, just jump right into the deep end if you're not there on your path yet. But before we get into today's episode, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Mudwater. All right, you guys, I am obsessed with Mudwater, okay? I'm just going to say it. I'm going to scream it from the top of a mountain. And I'm particularly obsessed with the Mudwater Matcha. Here's the thing that I want to say about the Mudwater Matcha. It is not your normal matcha. Neither is the Mudwater Rise. Look, it took a little getting used to for me. The taste is just kind of unusual, but it's all about how you actually put it together. So for me, I love almond milk and I'm putting a little bit of honey in it. I personally like it cold, especially when it comes to my matchas. I prefer a cold matcha. But the thing about the mud water, whether I'm having the original rice cacao flavor or I'm having the matcha green tea, for instance, is the way that my body feels. I wake up and crave it. And not in that kind of like, you know, cracked out coffee way where I'd be like, I must have coffee in order to, you know, function today. No, this is like my body being like, hey, what's that thing that has four adaptogenic mushrooms and Ayurvedic herbs and actually gives me sustained energy throughout the day? Oh yeah, it's that stuff in a jar that kind of looks like mud. (laughs) The nice part about all of the mud water products is that none of them are sweetened. So you don't have to worry about if you are not a big sugar fan or you don't like, you know, artificial sugars or even like things like stevia or whatnot. They let you do it yourself. So for me, that's the best part is that you can really dress this up the way that you want. It's all natural. It's simple ingredients. It's a mushroom blend. It's herbs. It's masala chai or green tea, depending on what you get, or turmeric if you go the turmeric route. And tis the season. If you're listening to this episode between November 1st, 2023 and November 30th, 2023, you can get 25% off any of your order. And if you want to get a subscription of the starter pack, you can get 50% off on your order. 
All you need to do is head over to mudwater.com and use the coupon code TRIPONTHIS for 25% off on a single order or 50% off on a starter pack. Again, the code is TRIPONTHIS at mudwater.com. Edward Crow, it is so lovely to meet you. I am so excited to talk to you about the music business, but I'm also really excited to talk to you about macrodosing. It's something that my audience is particularly interested in because the couple times we've talked about like very high doses, those episodes seem to do quite well. So if that is something for you listeners, that is something that uh, you're interested in. Edward Crow has a ton of experience with these high dose psilocybin ceremonies. So Edward, welcome to the show. Kat, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Appreciate the intro. All right, so why don't we start a little bit? Let's catch up everyone up on your background. I teased a little bit that you work in the mu- music business, that you are an artist manager. Can you tell us a little bit about, yeah, just a little bit about your background, about how you got into the music business, how long Absolutely. you've been in yeah, it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I originally started probably about 17 years ago. I had a recording studio called The Phoenix Room, downtown Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, after that, I linked up with an artist named Yellow Wolf, who I actually grew up with, but we had spent some time apart. He moved to another state. I moved to Delaware. And um, I linked up with him and started selling merch originally. That was the first job I got with him. And then I was his tour photographer for a period of time, moved up to tour manager. And then in Europe in 2020, we signed a management deal in Sweden. So Mm -hmm. yeah, and I've been managing him for three years now, ever since then. And um, Do, that's where I'm at that that you're on, Are you on the road with him? Like, are you just making, are you a tour manager where you're getting him gigs? Like what? I was a tour manager and that tour manager is more of the, you know, day to day on the tour, handling logistics okay. and, and stage managing. Well, a booking agent would handle that more than a tour oh, manager. Okay. So tour manager is just going to manage the whole operation on the road. You know, that's the person on the mm-hmm. road. That was a role I was playing for a little while that I went on to tour photographer we actually made a book and it's it's taken a couple of years to put it together, but it's called the 5150 Photography Tour Book, mm-hmm. right? And that's something that we're, we're looking to release later this year. Nice. So, uh, yeah, it's really incredible. But that's basically my, my history in the music business. I was I was managing artists and uh, at a recording studio that I linked up with with Yellow Wolf through a photographer I was managing. He was shooting him and I didn't know who he was at the time. I knew him as Coma when we were growing up. Right. Because mm-hmm. we both did graffiti and that's what he wrote. I wrote out. He wrote coma. And when they said this guy, Yellow Wolf, was coming to town, I had no idea who that was at first. And I started doing my research, looked him up, seen him on Double XL with Shady and I uh, was like, wait a minute. I know this guy. And the photographer was like, man, you don't know this guy. And I looked him up and <laughs> turns out I knew him really well. I mean, we were like brothers. And um, so we linked back up. And at first we were just hanging and he wasn't hiring at all. You know, and I, I said, I know you're not hiring but I want to make a, a lane. So I'll start at the bottom. I'll just, you know, take out the trash, watch the dogs while you're on tour, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we'll go from there. And wow. uh, that led to where we're at today, you know, managing him and, and the whole company, essentially. Wow. Wow. And so managing in that way is really like kind of managing all the pieces in his life, right? Is that kind of. Yeah. Thing yeah. Art, kind of artist thing? management. We have, we have business management who are incredible mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, tour managers, you know, stuff like that. But I, I handle, everything in relation to him as an artist. Talk to us a little bit about the music business. You know, I feel like I've, I've heard great things, obviously, like I'm so grateful for music and great artists, but I also heard it could be like pretty tough, whether it's long You got to be cut Yeah, right. okay, all right, talk to us about that. Like, what, what, what about it? 
you got to be cutthroat. You got to be, I like to say, professionally bipolar, right? So you got to know when to help an old lady cross the street. You got to know when to, you know, handle a promoter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, sure. There's different things you got. You got to know how to how to balance that and not always be, you know, on, the, on that, that cutthroat side and not always be on the nice guy side. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the balance that I found works best for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's that's a difficult line to walk, you know? Mm-hmm. What about that's the lifestyle of, of being on the road? Did you, you know, was there, like, were you part of a big parting scene? Was it a lot of nightlife all the time? Like, where were you at from that initial standpoint? Because I'm asking because I'm, I'm curious about when psychedelics when mushrooms started to come out into the picture right so curious to hear right. like what what was kind of like before that though i'll tell you it's interesting you asked because before that like when i was selling merch when i was doing those those jobs it didn't require me to be a voice of reason or the most responsible person in the bunch right sure i would party more often i would drink you know i would, I would do all that with everybody and i don't think i would have grown to where i'm at today if I hadn't made the decision to be able to tame that, I'm not going to say stop completely. Of course I have a drink here and there. Right. But Mm -hmm. I was able to tame it and that took mushrooms and that was intention. And that was, I think the time when I, I mean, I used to get, get drunk every night with these guys, you know what I mean? And, and party and I I couldn't be responsible like that. So one night I took a half an ounce trip. It was 14 grams. And my intention was to chill out on the alcohol basically, you know what I mean? And, it amazes me how it actually worked out because I was intending to stop drinking so much and, and expected it to be a, a problem and a hard thing to accomplish. But instead, I have no taste for alcohol. Like now I'll, I'll have, you know, I have a glass of wine or I have a celebration mm-hmm. shot or whatever. But mm-hmm. even when I want to have a beer or whatever, when I used to, mm-hmm. I just don't like the taste anymore. It's like that was the gift that was given to me through these mushrooms. You know what I mean? Was yeah. Okay, you want to stop? Well, we'll make it to where you don't like it. You know what I mean? That's like yeah. the thing. So, so it wasn't. So, talk to us. Okay, so your your intentions. I don't want to drink so much. Was the journey itself around that, or is it was like got it? Something biologically taste buds, whatever it was, whatever we don't know. But was the journey about something completely different? And then you realize, like, oh, I don't. I seem to like not feel the drive to have it drink. Or the next time you did have, I always call it a sense memory. A drink always mm-hmm. sounds good to me. It's like a nice mm-hmm. hot study day. It was like, oh, a mimosa sounds great. But then I actually had the mimosa. Now I'm like, eh, it sounded better actually than I remember it tasting. What was it for you? Was it like, uh, I just don't feel like it right now? Or did it start with that taste where you're like, yeah, I'll get it. And then you realize like, actually, I don't want this. It's, it's crazy because after that intention, I think it was like working up to that also because I think of high dose psilocybin use for the um, purpose of trying to stop things, whether it's addiction or anxiety, things like that. I like to think of it like like um, antibiotics. You know how you don't take one antibiotic to kill a cold, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You kind of get on a cycle. So I feel like it wasn't just one one dose. I don't think it was that, that sole dose that just stopped the alcohol mm-hmm. completely. Mm-hmm. I think it was that dose for a period of time when I wasn't on the road so much. I was going in high dose every two weeks, almost to the day. And when I say high dose, I mean, depending on, you know, where my mind was at, it would start at nine. Nine was the lowest I would go. Nine grams was the lowest I would go. So, and all the way up to 20, you know, so. Let me get some context for people real quick. So, uh, 
3.5 grams is a traditional classic psychedelic trip, right? That's considered an eighth. You might hear it. So when he's talking about nine at the minimum, those are heroic, heroic doses from the get-go. Were you always starting that high? Like when did you decide, when did you start taking mushrooms first of all? And, and what was the size of your dose when you first started? Years ago, it's when I was in high school, um, I bought some mushrooms, quite a bit of them. I bought a couple of pounds thinking it was something at that time, admittingly, like I had no idea, you know, didn't know there was any ceremonial context or correlation to, you know, indigenous people in other countries that use these like a sacrament. I had no idea whatsoever. I was just buying them to get stoned and buying them to flip them. So bought a couple of pounds, realized real quick that people don't come running back for mushrooms. Right. So I started eating them. I mean, I probably over a, a period of time and sharing them with friends, I probably ate about a pound. You know oh, what I mean? Wow. And yeah. But I started off low, you know, like you said, a couple grams, an eight, that type of thing. And then over time was just getting more brave. Let me try a little more. Let me try a little more. Up until the point where I was taking probably about seven grams at a time during that period. And then one night I went to the bathroom and they made me sick and um, like a purge. And at this point, I still had no, you know, I wasn't wasn't uh, relating this to anything spiritual whatsoever. It was just to get stoned. And after I washed my hands and cleaned up in the bathroom, I turned around and saw what looked like a translucent hole in reality open up. Right. And in that in that translucent hole in reality was an Indian goddess that we've all seen. You've seen her before, but she had like her hands like this, several other hands behind her. And she was dancing in this way that was so rhythmic and perfect. It was like pistons in an engine, right? And and it blew my mind because it, it seemed really real. Like it seemed like something from another world or dimension or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I started to kind of move towards this hole in reality. And the closer I got, it was almost like telepathically, she let me know, if you come in here, you die there. And the minute that I felt the fear from that, the hole closed up and went away and everything was gone. You know, at the end of that, the hole closed up. She went away and I was scared to death. I was like, wait a minute, there's something more to this. So I started taking it a little more serious. And, you know, it took a couple of years after that before I realized how serious and, you know, where I was taking myself serious before it was like, I saw this hole in reality. That's cool. You're tripping. Now I see it differently. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now I see like, and I know to a lot of people who haven't gone big dose, this sounds crazy. And I, I felt like it sounded crazy before too, but I feel like you come in contact with entities and I don't know what to call them. I don't know what to call the place they're at, whether it's a dimension, a world, or I don't know what it is, but there's something somewhere else that if you continue to go back, I've built relationships with this, what I believe to be a single spirit from, from golden teacher mushrooms. When I've done other mushrooms, mm-hmm. It's cool, but I don't have the same experience. It's like hanging out with someone who I'm unfamiliar with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the spirit yeah. of that golden teacher mm-hmm. specifically has helped me in my life grow and overcome things and understand things. Golden teachers are one of my favorites as well. What a beautiful story and fascinating. Were your eyes open or closed when you were seeing, when you see these like beings or entities or the, the portal, even like the opening you, know, that you saw, were your eyes open? This time they were actually open. And that's a really good question because I relate to that because I usually go into a journey and and encourage other people to go into a journey with your eyes closed. I like to 
I like to go in at night if possible and, and kind of plan to come out about the time of sunrise. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're experiencing all that. But, um, yeah, my eyes were open for that. It's probably the only time that I've had an experience on that level with my eyes open. You know, the other yeah. things that have happened to me so profound were usually with my eyes closed. Yeah. <laughs> there's like a, there's a joke that there's like, there's mushroom trips with your eyes open and there's mushroom trips with your eyes closed. And they're very, very different experiences in the way that That's right. you're shown things. But, but I do hear like on occasion that those stories where it's like, no, my eyes were open. I was just seeing something just inexplicably otherworldly. So would you say that that's the most wild or crazy experience you've ever had? Like what's, what's one where, whether it's great or yeah, like so profound, I mean this already seeing her and a poor opening, but are there any other stories that you really think about in these? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm thinking about like 20 gram trips. Like, are you able to even retain what's happening to you I mean, in that state? <laughs> in in most cases, I would say the experience is beyond linguistics. You know, it's beyond mm-hmm. the vocabulary I have access to, you know, to explain. Right. And I think sometimes it's better that way. You know, it's it's for the person going through the journey to feel it in their bones as opposed to be able to say it out loud. Sometimes I've noticed, you know, when I'm in a certain journey, and I'm and I'm getting sick. Like I purposely eat a certain amount to get sick and try to talk and explain what's going on. I'll get sick. Like I'll I'll how do I say this? Um, gag when I try to talk. You know, and it's like yeah. I attribute that to like be quiet. Now's not the time to yeah. try to explain anything. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But the craziest thing that I would say to date has ever happened to me, and this this goes beyond just the just the trip itself. My mother bought me years ago, it was probably five, six years ago. She there was a museum going out of business in her town in um Carthage, Tennessee. And in that museum was a bunch of uh like older African artifacts, right? And one of those things was a medicine cabinet. It was a shaman's medicine cabinet. She knew I would like it, it was hand carved, really cool. Mm-hmm. So she bought it for me. And we found out later after doing some research, it was from a tribe called Yoruba. So it was a Yoruba tribe shaman cabinet. Up until that point, I had never heard of Yoruba, didn't have any idea what it was. Mm-hmm. After that, I put the cabinet up, was leaving to go on tour in Europe and put the mushrooms I had at that time in the cabinet, right? Mm-hmm. Then I jumped in an Uber to go to the airport. And on my way to the airport, there was a guy driving, super nice guy. We got to talk and he asked where I was going and that type of thing. And, and I asked him, I said, where are you from? And he, he said, uh, I'm from a place you may have heard of. He turned around, he made eye contact with me, and he said, it's called Yoruba. And it's just, it was kind of like something what? was speaking to me through him. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. It was like something was speaking to me through him. You know, and I don't think he knew. I think that something through him was speaking. Yes. Literally yes. turned around, looked at me, and said, Yoruba, and paused. And it blew my mind. So I told him about the medicine cabinet. Right. And this Talk just happened. About Sorry, let me let me let me get the timing real quick. You just you were just given this, right? To from mm-hmm. your this tribe from Yoruba. You've never mm-hmm. heard of Yoruba and then you just meet someone who says, I'm from Yoruba? Never heard of Yoruba before. My mother gave me the cabinet, like as a gift, because it was a yeah. medicine cabinet, right? And yeah, I got in an Uber, met this guy. He said, I'm from a place you may have heard of, made eye contact, said Yoruba. Okay. I was kind of blown like, away. All over my body. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's crazy. Shit. And then uh-huh. he said something in their language, and I asked him what he said, and it was, may God watch over you on your journey. And I asked him if I could record him saying it, so he let me. 
So I had, you know, recorded that or whatever. Then I went to Europe, came home and took a big, big dose. And um, I think that was probably 14 grams on this dose. But wow. at one point I was I was laying back on a mattress and my fiance was watching over me, keeping, you know, trips sitting for me. And I went to lay back and I said, who is that? And she said, who, who are you talking about? You know, I'm just I'm the only one here. And at that point, I saw I was surrounded by African people and they all had shaved heads. They all had like tribal garb. It could have been in the future. It could have been in the past. I don't know. But I feel like I was one of them. And I feel like they loved me and I loved them. And I was either being born or dying. It was that profound and the love and the attention was like either birth or death. It was that yeah. important, whatever was yeah. going on. Yeah. You know, and ever since then, I think that was the Yoruba connection, you know. And then I went to mm -hmm. Cuba on vacation not long ago. And uh, I met a bunch of people from Yoruba, Yoruba priests and a bunch of Yoruba performers. Really? And I keep bumping into these people. And, you know, it's, I mean, it's just interesting. I don't know what it, it is, but. I mean, I don't either. I mean, that's that's all. That's that's when I, I love stories like this, though, because I feel like that is like the magic and mystery of life, because I've never heard of Yoruba before. Maybe people listening have heard of Yoruba, but for. I just, it's, it's the, that idea of like when something, um, every things become mirrored in your reality, right? Like suddenly now you're starting to see what, whether it's a past life connection or, you know, right. future life connection that you're experiencing. I also love that you're talking about, um, the profoundness and almost the, the a hard way to distinguish whether it's birth or death. There's something right. really in, in that, that's actually like really interesting that, Obviously, in that culture, both were handled with a sense of reverence. It wasn't what we would think of as like obvious grief, you know what I mean, or obvious whatever. It's right. like maybe a new understanding of what transitioning from life to life is in different cultures at different times is very different than probably the Western way of thinking about death. Not that we don't mourn, but that we've the f the finalness of death that we um that we attribute in, you know, I don't know, very, very, very interesting. I'm, I'm curious with some of these takeaways or, or these big experiences, I know they're ineffable, but have you gotten any like real like life takeaways? Like, have there been any of that? I always call it the knowing, right? That the, mm -hmm. it's beyond mind, but you just kind of know like information drops in. Is there anything um, that really stands out to you from your bigger trips? That's a knowing for you at least. I feel like I need to go into a trip most when I'm not doing well mentally, you know what I mean? Or spiritually. And I do agree that when they say like, you know, ease your way up, don't start high when you, you know, when you're beginning that type of thing, don't go in. If you're, if you're new to this, it's not a good idea to go in under, um, you know, difficult mental situation, but I go there to get back situated and to get my mind right. You know what I mean? Okay. Sometimes some of my biggest trips are when I'm, I'm in the worst place mentally, you yeah. know what I mean? To yeah. check in and figure out, I guess, to answer your question, like every time I go in, I go in to consult, I go in for advice, you know, mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. whether that's for me personally or a broader, broader advice mm -hmm. for how I need to, you know, navigate through the world and, and live my life in this, in this lifetime, you know? Yeah. But I think it's interesting what you what you touched on death is like I say that sometimes like you have being born, you have dying and you have this. And when the psychedelic experience 
becomes extremely mystical and spiritual and deep, I believe it's as profound as birth and death. It can literally become that profound, you know, and that life changing. And a lot of people run from the purge. I've heard of people saying, you know, use this uh, recipe or that recipe to ease your stomach so you don't get sick. I purposely go no less than nine because if I take less than nine, I won't get sick. So I like to take that dose that makes me sick. I know that's disgusting, but I think the purge is important. The physical purge as well as the spiritual and energy purge, you know, getting up sounds. You know, sometimes I'll make sounds. I don't even know where they came from. I don't know what they are. I've never made them before. And I think that that's purging, getting energy out. You know, and I always Mm -hmm. feel lighter and better after these high dose journeys. So you're using this, uh, or are you working with mushrooms as a way to also like clean house in a, in a way where it's, where you're ridding yourself of a lot of maybe like dense energy or just mm-hmm. anger or fear, whatever else is kind of sitting on you and, and wanting to push it to an amount where you are f- using, having a somatic release as well as a mental and emotional release. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, really and I think you put it in a really good way and it's like, not necessarily, it's not always like, you know, I'm angry or I'm this or I'm that, but you know, when we go to the gas station and the guy's nicer or, or not nice, or, you know, when we walk over here, you're, you're taking in people's energy everywhere you go. Absolutely. You know, when you're at the gas station getting gas and you hear something on the radio that you're not really aware that you're hearing, you're taking on stuff constantly, you know what I mean? From, from mm-hmm. all angles. And I feel it's important to, to purge. I mean, purge is very important and it's, do you- it's made the oh, load lighter. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I, I was just going to uh, follow up with that and say, is there anything you do to prepare, though, your mind, body, and spirit before a big trip like that? Maybe not necessarily from diet, or do you still consider uh, what you're watching, what you're listening to, what you're eating, if you're drinking before a big trip? Or do you just kind of go like, look, this is where I'm at, and I'm going to meet it where I am? I do have some some very um, particular preparation that I take part in to prepare for these big journeys. Mm-hmm. I like to meditate. You know, obviously you don't want to eat anything like a big cheesesteak or something. You know, you try to eat fruits yeah. and yeah, yeah. vegetables, eat clean if possible, you know, but yes. I mean, even if I was like, if I had had a cold and I had taken uh, some cold medicine, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go on a big dose. Like I like to be completely crystal clear mentally yes. In that regard, no, I would never do a big dose after drinking or, or doing any substance at all. You know what I mean? Nothing yeah. whatsoever. I would keep, you know, my whole day open just for that. And if I had a lot of stuff to do that day, I mean, I like to turn my phone off the entire day, you know, yeah. in preparation okay. for that out of respect mm-hmm. for myself and the mushroom, you know, because it's it's a very serious, um, you know, like ancient technology that you're dealing with. And uh it's important that you prepare properly. I meditate. I like to, I don't want to say speak to the mushroom, but hold, hold the mushroom or the tea or however I'm ingesting in my hand and, and explain my respect and my love for the mushroom, respect for all creatures, you know, go into this thing dead serious, understanding that I'm a student. You know what I mean? I'm I'm a student of this. I'm not, I'm not here to play a game. It's not a joke. You know what I mean? This is dead serious. So it's important. yeah, it's not a joke. And those doses aren't a joke and, and the places you can go. And also, this is one of my questions, but uh, have you had any scarier trips? Whether that's physically, where you're like human scary feelings, where you're like, uh-oh, 
my breathing is very hard right now or, um, you know, whatever it is or mentally and emotional. Like, have you had trips where, uh, you know, the proverbial bad trip, let's just say it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've had, I've had very bad trips on several occasions and I used to call them bad trips. I refer to them now as challenging trips. A lot of people Mm do. Um, I don't think it's bad because I think I'm learning a lesson from that journey regardless, even if it is harder than what I would consider enjoyable or a good trip, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, I've had trips before, you know, curled up on the floor, like scared to death, you know what I mean? But I think those things are important. I think it's important for growth. And any time that I've had a difficult trip, the first thing I want to do when I come out of it is get right back in. Now, obviously, I'm going to integrate, take some time, you know, a couple weeks or whatever. But I'm almost like I got to get back to prove myself. You know what I mean? Like to prove that, to prove that I'm listening. You know what I mean? It's important to. It's like those those bad trips to me are kind of like, like all right, I'm I'm gonna spank you for for not listening last time. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. there's something to that. Can I can I um, trip on this? A lot of people are are pretty new to psychedelics, so I'm gonna just uh, I'm gonna stay with this for a quick little second. Just so when you're when you're on the floor and you're like in fetal position, can you give us an example of what brings you to that place? Does it physically feel like this is it? Uh, does it, is it mental or emotional where it's kind of like, okay, you walk into this portal, you walk into this portal and you're like, Oh, I died. You know, like, do you have any examples of a time where you were just like fucking terrified and how did you get through it? Well, good question. I feel like sometimes when it gets that crazy on a high dose, it's almost like I said before that the trip is uh, on automation. Like it's kind of, it, it takes on a mind of its own. Like if you've ever seen like a recording board when they put it on automation and, and the sliders start kind of doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to say sometimes when the trip, when you think it's about over, but then all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 no. Wait, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And it does its own thing. And now it's like, that's when I've been on the floor you know, in a fetal position, curled up, scared to death because it's taken on its own thing. And it's like the worst, everything you could ever imagine that was bad is the worst it could ever be. And it's like, you're in this purgatory between lifetimes Mm -hmm. and you have to figure out how to fix this. Of course, it's not that serious when you come to, you know what I mean? But I think the lesson is that serious. You know what I mean? The takeaway is it's drilling you to say like, Hey, this is that serious. You know what I mean? But other times, I mean, that's really been only a, a handful of times it's been that that crucial and that serious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I would just say it's high anxiety. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're not in control of of the feelings you're having and the feelings may be so unfamiliar that the only response your human body has is fear. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've learned to to kind of try to navigate through that. How do you deal with it? I've heard some people say you sing. I can't sing, so I don't do that. But <laughs> I just try to, Maybe you know, crack yourself up if you try there. You're like, okay, all right. Right, Edward. right. That might help. That might help. No, but it's, uh, I just try to fight through it. I mean, I'm very serious about controlling the environment. Controlling, yeah. you know, like if I'm in a house, I don't really like to do mushrooms in a house too much anymore. I like to do them out in nature. Mm-hmm. But um, if I'm inside, I like to control every single you know, if there's a TV on in that room, the movie's on repeat. I know exactly what's going to be in there when I walk in. I know what room the dog's in. I know what room the lights are on in. You know, everything, wherever I go, nothing unpredictable will happen. 
Yeah. Because yeah, I yeah. feel like that that can cause the biggest issues. If you don't know somebody stopping by and they knock on the door mm-hmm. and I locked the phone in a box. I bought this box. I think they use them for people who <laughs> can't control their snack eating or something like that. Like so they put oh their God, snacks in this box. Yeah, it's like a I can't remember what they call it, but uh it's got a timer on it. And I usually put the timer for like seven hours and I put my phone in there, put it on silent. And, you know, no communication with the outside world, no communication with technology whatsoever, whether you want to or not. Wow. I've been with a couple of people when they're, when we're about to do that and they're like, oh, man, you know, it's cool. I'll be all right. I won't touch my phone. They don't want to put it in the box. And I was like, look, we're not going there without putting it in the box because you can tell me right now that you're not going to touch it. But things change. You know, when your mind is in that space, you're going to want yeah. to touch that phone, you yeah. know, especially when it's a crutch. You know, like if you're mm-hmm. going through a tough time and you use it as a, a, a way of escaping how you're feeling, um, that could be a way that you, you're, you're, our phones are that for a lot of us, including myself, oftentimes just the natural inclination to just like distract myself really quickly. And right. um, do you listen to music when you're on these high doses? I do, but the only thing I can listen to is Led Zeppelin. It's the only thing. That's it? Like, I don't listen to any other music whatsoever other than Led Zeppelin. And I mean, I like Led Zeppelin. It is like I've listened to Stairway to Heaven for like four hours, like literally on repeat for four hours just to stay in the vibe, you know, like, like, like get in the vibe and stay in it. You know, so we have we have a playlist that I listen to and it's all Led Zeppelin. Other than that, I don't really like music. I don't know why that is, but. Just, you don't like music in general, them. or you just don't like music? On no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, on he's an artist manager and works in music. He's like, I hate music. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, on mushrooms. It's just like it's a, it's like a hard yes or a hard no. You know, I'm sure you yeah. can relate. Like, oh, for sure. You know, it's like got to change that immediately. Like, I can't oh, God, wait two yes. seconds. You know oh what my mean? God, so, that's so true. Right, it's back we're, to we were the very familiar. clear about what works and what does not work on a mushroom trip. You know, it's so funny right. just on this. Well, it's a funny tangent, but my friends, I mean, all power, all power to them. But um, I could, I could never imagine it. So they, they're big Slipknot fans. So I was like, that's cool. But they went to the Slipknot concert, tripping their face off. I was like, they're like, there's just like all of this. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> she was trying to describe like how violent and like, um, just like you know, fucked up or whatever, all the imagery is and all this stuff. I was like, didn't that freak you out? She's like, kind of, but we liked it. <laughs> like, I was just like, Damn. they were just like going for it. I was like, all right. You know, they're like, you'd be surprised how many people are on mushrooms at a Slipknot concert. I was like, no way. I was like, all right. Okay. Okay. I just, I think of like house music and like groovy or like, like you're saying Led Zeppelin and sixties and like that kind of vibe. But I guess they really, the music, music is just the amplification of, if you like the music, if you're into it, like it sounds songs that you usually like, like usually sound even more amazing depending right. on how you do it and what the setting is. Right. I was right. going to ask you mentioned you were, you were mentioning that you've done it um, a couple times with friends. Do you take high doses with friends or do you do more recreational with friends? Uh, I'm, I'm not big on recreational. Like I don't really do that very often unless um, like there's a mountain called Mount Leconte. that's about four hours from Nashville. And I'll take, I will take about an eight to four grams and climb that mountain just because it's dangerous to take more. And, you know, when you're taking high dose, you need to lay down. Like yes. usually when I take high dose, I lay down and I don't get back up until the trip is over for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Great. You know, I stay there, but, um, with, with friends, I mean, I like to encourage people who come and want, you know, someone who's like, I want to do a journey with you. Okay, cool. I don't do small journeys. And I understand some people are like, well, they need to work their way up. But I also feel like 
if this is the journey that you're looking for, then this is the dose that you need. You know what I mean? Like right. mm-hmm. if you go to the Amazon, they're not going to tell you if it's an eighth or a, or a gram or this or that. They're just going to give you a glass of ayahuasca and yeah. say shada shada. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's yeah, it. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of the same thing. I'll, if I think someone's prepared and I've sat with them and witnessed how their personality acts under the influence of psilocybin, then I'll kind of figure out if it makes sense for me to take a trip with them. But I would rather keep an eye on someone in the event they panic or have a hard time, you know, yeah. and, and do that, then actually go in with them. And I can't really do anything to help. Yes. You know what I mean? Cause, yeah. cause I'm there too. You know what I mean? I'm on the same space on the same level. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm very selective and I don't do threes. Like when I do take a journey with someone, it's just me and that person. I don't do right. threes. Okay. I feel like personalities, I don't care if it's, three of the best friends or three family, whatever the case may be, two are going to end up feeling one way and one's going to feel another way. It's inevitable. It always happens, mm, you know, and it's, really? and it always gets weird. That's my experience. Yeah. It always gets weird. I mean, it'll surprise you too. Sometimes it's like, man, I would have never seen that coming from them, but you just can't control it. So I like to stay just me yeah. and one other person when it's super high dose and take it dead mm-hmm. serious. You know, you answered, you answered one of the questions, but I was going to ask you were mentioning that when you do high dose, ceremonies so you're doing them outside that's your idea that you like to do it in nature but you like to do it but you're laying down you got what a yoga mat or something that you're just laying down or some grass and just no i got a whole situation so no i got a i get an air mattress and you know me and whoever else is going out there just like camping air mattresses put those out there put Mm -hmm. a tarp down so snakes and spiders and stuff don't get you and then um just stay on that air mattress you know sometimes by a fire sometimes just under the stars whatever makes the most sense. Sometimes under the porch with a thunderstorm, you know what I mean? Like those are some of the best journeys I've ever had. Like in a storm. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I just like like nature because, (laughs) right. It's like, it's like the, um, it's like being in a vortex, you know, all of the energies. Mm -hmm. It's like the weather has a personality, you know, like one time I was in Jamaica and man, we were in this spot where I like to say it was like an energy vortex because the sun was beating down. We were laying on top of a, a fossilized coral reef surrounded by probably thousands of um, like hermit crabs or whatever they are, you know, all these little little creatures and the waves splashing up. And I just like nature. I think when the sun rises, you get this like it's kind of like you're let in on a secret. You know what I mean? It's right. like the secret's going on with without me. But today I'm allowed to be a part of it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Like that. I like that. So mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about what the integration looks like after these big journeys for you. Do you have any practices? Do you journal? Do you talk to people? So I feel like to answer that question correctly, I would say I'm integrating right now. Like mm-hmm. every moment is integration because yeah. I'm constantly going back to the mushroom. Sometimes the mushroom will call, you know, like call, I say call, but sometimes I'll get a feeling that tonight I need to take these mushrooms and it's, it's mm-hmm. a Tuesday or whatever, you know, and it's, it's two in the morning and I got to be up in the morning, but mushrooms calling. So I got to go in and, and handle that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But um, integration, I think it's very important, but I, I like to always, always integrate. You know what I mean? Like I'm always thinking yeah. about what I learned in that journey and what's needs to be handled. But as far as journaling, me and my fiance are working on a book and we expect it to be released mid next year. It's called hello from another lifetime. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, it's literally, you know, written from the perspective of the mushroom. So everything is 
like recording. She recorded me on these big doses. And then the next day we'll jot it down and then I'll do journaling from that point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So does she always do a lot? Does she do a lot of your trip sitting when you go in on these big journeys? Pretty much all the time. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I'll go out by myself, like in nature, I'm, I'm comfortable by myself, mm-hmm. but in the house for sure. She always sits yeah. and, you know, records and takes notes and all that type of thing. And that's how over, oh. over a couple of years, we've been able to accumulate this information to make this book. So I'm really excited about this book. Sounds like it's going to be a trip. I can't wait. Definitely let me know when that comes out. That sounds really interesting to hear just what you've been saying on high doses and what comes through and what's kind of channeled through from the, from the language of the mushroom. Super fascinating. How, how in general, you know, would you say that mushrooms and psychedelics have changed your life ultimately? Like what, what about them has made you maybe a better partner, a better businessman, a better, friend you know what i mean like is there anything that you can point to i mean well first and foremost like we discussed earlier the alcohol thing Mm -hmm. Mm self-control self-discipline mushrooms have encouraged me to want to constantly be on a path of self-improvement um you know they made me want to learn constantly like constantly learn constantly read i don't care if we're growing up i want to continue to learn continue to grow you know and um Mm -hmm. And just inspire you to make the world a better place. You know what I mean? Like maybe sometimes have more patience, slow down, be cool with people who in the past maybe I wouldn't have been cool with, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I introduced my family to mushrooms, my, my mom and my dad. And, um, you know, they both use them now and it, it it's made their lives better. And, you know, my mom, um, she got really into them with me and, and it made her creative, that type of thing. So, I mean, mushrooms have changed my life in a hundred different ways. You know, wow. mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is the we're coming to the close of this. And I just want to say, do you have any final tips or recommendations for people who are thinking about going really, really deep on big doses? What would you say to them uh, if they were to set out on their own journey? Just be cautious, be fully informed. I think there's a lot of people right now who, you know, a lot of information on the Internet and all over the place right now that's misinformation. Make sure you're fully informed, do your research, and um, be prepared. Enter the journey with respect for the mushroom. Love for the mushroom is not a game. It's um, been around for a long time and needs to be treated with the utmost respect. You know, and control your environment. Do it with someone you really trust. And I would recommend if you're, you know, stepping up and doing more high dose, I think it's important to go in by yourself first with a sitter as opposed to it's not a group thing. Like I'm not a fan of, you know, to each his own. I'm definitely not knocking anybody's approach, but I'm not big on the groups just because I think it's hard to control and it's hard to be able to, it's kind of all about you. So if you're going into this journey, it's important to focus on you and your soul and your mind and your, you know, everything you're going to fix. Or if there's nothing wrong, if you're just, past anxiety, past PTSD, past depression, these things can sharpen your superpower and make you even better if you're perfectly fine. Sure. So sure. I think just enter with respect, treat the mushroom with respect, enter as a student and be fully informed. That would be my I advice. It. I love it. That's great, great advice. Edward, thank you so much. Where can people find you on socials if they want to connect? What's, uh, yeah, what's the best place that they can, they can see you and where can they find your book when it comes out? Are we there Instagram. yet? Are we not quite there yet? Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting there. Instagram right, right. is 
uh, at edward.crow, C-R-O-W-E. That's mm-hmm. where I'm most active. I don't really mess with too many social media sites. Um, cool. And after that, the book will be available on our website, slamerican.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I look forward to it. I'll let you Perfect. know when it's coming out. Yeah, for sure. I'll let you know when this episode comes out. Maybe it's going to be closer to when that book releases. So it'll be perfect. That'll be killer. Cool. Well, awesome. it was so great meeting you again. Thank you so much. Likewise. And for everyone, as always, trip on this. <laughs>